So this morning, I believe God's going to speak to us. I believe God has a word just for you, for your situation, for your circumstance, what's going on in your life. I heard a story <laughs> that I, I just loved. It was about this um, gentleman that started a, a new restaurant. It was a French restaurant. So he was really struggling with where to set the price point because he wanted to actually set it high enough to let everyone know this is a nice, elegant French restaurant. This is some place you want to come. And if the price is too low, then they wouldn't see it as, a, you know, a fine dining. But at the same time, if he sets it too high, then he's going to lose a bulk of people who just say, that's, I can't afford that. that. That's too much. So he came up with, with what he thought was a brilliant idea. He created a menu, and he passed them, and the, the waitress, when someone comes in, would hand out the menu, except what they didn't know is that there was two different menus. They looked identical in every way, except the price on one was like five times higher than the price on another. Now, this is probably illegal, right? <laughs> but but he, was, he, he was trying to, trying to create a feeling, and, and so what would happen is the waitress would just notice. He would judge. He was outwardly judging to say, you know, do they have a really, really nice watch? And, of course, the shoes. The shoes are always a giveaway. What kind of shoes are, are they? Are they? It's just an elderly couple. Okay, they got the nice menu. And then maybe a family large family comes in, you know, they think, okay, they got the, the lower menu. And you would think this is a disaster. Well, it worked perfect. It worked perfect. It was, it was incredible. Because the, the ones that got the nice menu, thought, oh, this is such a nice, fine place. And they gave, he had great reviews. And then other people would say, oh, it's so affordable. It's so wonderful. And, and everything went really well. But how many know there's always going to be a butt to this story? <laughs> However, what happened was it was going perfectly. A family came in. They must have been out on the town or something because they were dressed just perfect, amazing. They got, of course, the expensive menu. Another family came in, um, and, and uh, they received the, the lower menu. And everything was good, and they were all happy in their order and everything, except when they both looked up and knew that they knew each other. In fact, they're really good friends. And so what did they decide to do? They decided to join their tables and all mixed together. And somewhere in that, it hit the fan. <laughs> how many know it's going to happen? You see, hypocrisy, no matter how you say it, no matter where it comes out, no matter how we hide it, eventually it's going to come out. And that's exactly what happened in this, in this situation. So what do we do with that? I, I, I want to talk to you this morning about something God's really put on my heart, about understanding what is the center, what is the core of everything that we believe. And the core of everything we believe, the answer to everything is always Christ. Christ is the center of everything. Christ is the one that is that holding everything down. Christ is the one that's moving uh, and, and, touching, and touching us. Now, as I, as I shared last week, I want to just reiterate real quick, quick. There are three primary functions to church, church universal. These are the three primary functions as found in God's word. First is worship, and we talked about that last week. Second is word, which is, is really, really important to understand, what I'm going to talk about this morning. And then the third is witness. Each one of these are primary uh, emphasis of what to do. Now, how do we handle this? Because sometimes people would say, what's important? What do I need to uh, deal with? Is, is it witness? And some people were all into witness. Man, I'm in witness. If you're not witnessing, you're not godly. 
You're not witnessing. And actually, I love people like that. They're reaching out. But some are saying, no, no, it's about the word. It's about knowing God's word. It's about the body. It's about uplifting. And I think that's true as well. And then some will say, no, it's worshiping. There are worshipers. They raise their hands. They declare God uh, is, the, is the king. And they love to worship. And so how do we understand how these three primary functions work together? I want to explain it with something that we can't explain <laughs> and that, that I, ha- I think will help us understand really how these th- three primary functions work together. And that's understanding the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we understand that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are three, and yet they're one. They're not three, they're one. Oh, except they're not one, they're three. <laughs> so it is a mystery. No matter what analogy we use, it's not possible to explain the Trinity except just to accept it. And I think that same is true with the worship, the word, and the witness. The three primary functions of the church is that they've worked the same way. You cannot separate them. <laughs> so if, if, if you are worshiping, you are focusing on the word, and you are being a witness to other people. If you are all about building up and strengthening, you are only doing that through uh, honoring God, which is what we do with God's word, and by reaching out to other people. And all three aspects there are all connected. So this is important to understand. So this morning, we're going to talk about understanding the Word. What is God's Word? What does that mean to us? In the last several decades, we've had some uh, several movements that have, to a large effect, affected the church, especially here in America. And it really started with what uh, some people call the seeker movement. And the seeker movement was seeker, being seeker-sensitive. That means... Uh, uh, Allowing people to come in. Because what we discovered in church is that we are uh, in the world, but we're not of the world. But we were acting like we're not even of the world. (laughs) And people couldn't relate. People couldn't connect. So we did everything we can to help people understand that we're godly, but they're welcome to come. Because, see, this is what we understood and learned from the seeker-sensitive movement. You cannot save empty chairs. You cannot touch empty chairs. You cannot change empty chairs. People need to come. But as we did that, and as people sort of focused on that, there was another movement that came around, and we realized, even though they're here, that doesn't mean they're connected. It doesn't mean they're a part of the church. And so there was this other movement of of assimilation, of putting everybody on teams, of putting everybody in a group, doing whatever it can to make sure they're plugged in. And so people were active, and and we thought, this is really going to be the answer. This is going to help it because now they're not only attending, they're involved. And that's all important and all critical. But we have brought us now to this third movement that's sort of moving around and touching our lives. And that's what I is called the faith deconstruction movement that we find relevant today in church 2022. This is what is moving on, where people have come and said, man, you know, I went to church and it didn't do anything. I, I did this and it didn't do anything. I did, and they start to deconstruct their faith and they get to the center and this is what they find. There's nothing there. It's empty. And I've had some opportunities where uh, churches have brought me in and said, let's talk about this. It can help me explain this because what this means is that we got them here. That's good. <laughs> They're filling the chairs. And, and, and we got them involved. That's good. But the only thing that makes a difference is having Christ at your core. The only thing that makes a difference is having Jesus in the center. 
is understanding that Jesus is, he is everything to us. The word has to be in us. It's not good enough to just come to church. You should come to church. I want everyone to come to church. Everyone watching, we're so glad you're watching, but I want you in church. I want you connected. (laughs) There's various reasons why people can or can't, but the point is that connection is critical. It's, it's, It's there, but what's most important is where is Jesus in your life? What it, see, it's all about Jesus. In our, in our men's group that we meet every week, which, by the way, if you're a guy, you need to come to that. And we have a women's group. You need to come to that. Come on, listen to me. It's be good to be connection, and we're going to be building other small groups as well. But in our men's group, we were, it was talking about reaching out and caring, and the story of the Good Samaritan came up, which, which was really, really good. And what they said was great. It was profound. But... One of the things that is important to understand about the Good Samaritan story, you know what I'm talking about, is about the man that was beat up on the road, and then Jesus tells a story about the priest comes by and ignores him, and then, a, and then a religious man comes by and ignores him, and another man comes by and ignores him, and then a Samaritan who the Jews just think is just, you know, low life, comes along and helps him, takes him to a place, an inn that takes care of him, leaves his credit card, leaves everything and says, I'll come back. And, and make sure everything is good. Here's what you need to understand. Jesus was talking about himself. Jesus is the good Samaritan. Jesus was saying, I will lower myself what everyone thinks is low to take care of somebody that's hurting. And if you just start to see the story, Jesus takes it back, takes this man or the, the good Samaritan, takes it back to the end and says, I'll cover him. I will heal him. I will bind his wounds. How many know that sounds like Jesus? And then he says, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to come back, which is exactly what Jesus told us to do. So the picture here is always about Jesus. You see, that's how you live an authentic life. We live in a society today, in a world today, that is driven by being authentic. We don't want to be inauthentic. We don't want to be a hypocrite. And yet this friction is there between those two. How do I live a godly life so that I'm true to my integrity and actually living that and, 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 and uh, make a difference in people's lives? And sometimes it gets to the point where we think, I can't be authentic, so I'm just not going to try. And I think that's what many are struggling with with this faith deconstruction. They realize, man, I, I trusted in the church and he let me down. I trusted in this. I did all this and like that. And the only thing that keeps us, the only thing that, that is at our center has to be Christ. That's our core. That's why we're called core church. Because more than anything, Jesus needs to be at the center of your life. Because when things go wrong and things fall apart and people let you down and you have hurts and you have struggle, the only thing that's going to keep you is your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's going to make a difference. So this morning, we're going to talk about the authentic life. How do we live that? You say, Greg, I tried, and that's really hard, and I'm not really living up. How do I live the authentic life? How do I live with that kind of integrity? Where I say I'm a Christian, and I'm living the, the, the integrity of what that means to be a Christian. And I want to challenge you just a little bit. Because, you see, integrity means to be at a place of trustworthiness where you do not fail. That's integrity. And so we look at that and we go, yeah, that's not me. Because <laughs> I screwed up here, I messed up here, I let the God down here, I, I, I disappointed these people here. And we see that struggle, but I think it should be more than integrity, it should be what is called probity. And you think, what is probity? 
P-R-O-B-I-T-Y. It's a real uh, common word in, in, in that, that simply means to walk integrity consistently, to not give up, basically, to prove yourself. Probity means that you are walking, and even though you might fumble or you might stumble, <laughs> or I'm going to tell a football story, and I, that's why fumble came in there. How, how about them Cowboys last week, or Saturday night? Yeah, yeah, they won. Preseason, they win. <laughs> anyway, totally distracted. The point is this. How do you consistently live a life? How do you do that? It's probity. It's, it's even though I might stumble, I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to give up. So I should have saw my handwriting on the wall when my dad came to me, put his hand on my shoulder lovingly and said, Greg, I know all your brothers are in music and doing music, but have you ever thought about football? <laughs> Okay, Dad, that sounds like a good idea. And I really struggled, you know. I, I played in middle school, but when you play during halftime during middle school, how many know that's not a good sign, okay? The rest of the team's out, and then everyone else plays in half during, during halftime, you know, when it doesn't count. That's, that's when I played. Didn't even make the team my freshman year. I was cut. And they said, hey, Greg, you're cut, but we want you to be uh, a manager. I don't want to be a manager. I don't want to wash other people's jock traps. I, just, I didn't want to do that. Come on. I didn't, I didn't want to do that. But there's something in me that says, I'm going to stay close. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to quit. <laughs> and so even though I was small and I wasn't very strong, I kept going. And then my sophomore year, I made the, they have a junior varsity team, and they have what's called a B team. That was a big high school. So you can have a B team. A B team is, is like where everyone's left over. <laughs> then my junior year, trying to make the junior varsity or actually varsity, didn't make the varsity, didn't make the junior varsity. My junior year, I played the B team again. Now, your senior year, you can't do that. Senior year, seniors can't play on the uh, junior varsity or the B team. So my, so my junior year, I, uh, coach came to me and said, Greg, have you ever thought about running track? Because I think you have a lot of potential there. And I thought, oh, I don't want to run track. How many know if you run track, even as a sprinter like I was, you have to run a long ways? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you run, a, you always practice as a sprinter. We practice in miles. Because then when you ran the 100 meter, you can do it the best, at the best you could. But I decided, you know what? I, I want to do everything and anything I could. So I ran track, and I got to be really, really fast. And so now here I am, my junior year spring training game, and they're going to see who makes the varsity. And I knew I, I, I didn't have much of a chance, but I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm there, and they put me as a wide receiver, and I was the fastest one out there. I could outrun those defensive backs all over the place. It was amazing. There was just one problem. When they throw you the ball, I think you're supposed to catch it. And I, I don't know, it just bounced and bounced up. And it's like, well, he's fast, but he just can't catch it. It doesn't do any good to run down the field if you can't catch the ball. Come on, that's a sermon right there, okay? You got to catch the ball. One week before the spring game where they determined who, who gets to be in the, uh, on the team, they said, Greg, we're going to move you from receiver to running back. And I thought, that's it. They're just trying to cut me now. I, I got one week to learn all the plays. Of course, I learned them. I, I did everything I could. I crammed. And it was amazing. I ran for over 100 yards. I scored the touchdown. I made the team. It was all, it was just like, it was like thank you, God. I didn't find out until months later. Why? Because the coach came to me and she said, he said, Greg, 
because of what happened the week before, it's why we were saying, let's don't give up on him. Let's see if he could do something else. Let's put him in as a running back. Because as a receiver the week before, we were running a play, and as I ran the play, the quarterback threw it to me, and the linebacker just wiped me out. I mean, it was a quick pass. I mean, I was just on the ground, literally dying. <laughs> and I heard these wonderful words. Run it again. Well, no, wait a minute. If the coach yells out, run it again to the offense and the defense, how many know the defense is going to know what you're doing? And so I got up and thinking, run it again. <laughs> I didn't even hardly know where the line of scrimmage is. We lined up and we ran it again, and he killed me again. Why? He even harder because he knew where I was going. And I'm thinking, this is it. I'm, I'm in the dirt on the ground and thinking, I'm going to just give up. I'm just, this, it's over. <laughs> And I heard the coach say it again, run it again. And I'm thinking, that's fine, but I'm not getting up. <laughs> you run it around me because I'm, I'm here. But I wanted to do it. So I got up. I ran it again. I think the linebacker felt sorry for me. Let me catch the ball. And the coach said, Greg, when we saw you get up for that third time, we knew we got to find a way to get him on the team. Let's move him. And I just thought they were trying to hurt me when they were actually trying to help me. See, that's what probity is. Probity is, integrity means I fall and I stumble and I'm not very good. But probity means I get up and I keep going and I keep trusting. Ah, this hates me or this doesn't work or they don't like me or this is not happening. I keep going and I keep trusting and I keep believing and I allow the word of God to get stronger and stronger and stronger in me. I want us to look at just the theme verse for this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll look at verses 12 and 13. We're going to sort of jump in the middle of it. Look what, look what it says, that we are to be equipped, okay? God is equipping us so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach, all reach unity in the faith. You see, you're not just to grow in the Word of God. But we're to grow together. <laughs> we're to, there, there is a unity. It, it cannot be, I'm just going to get strong with God and just, you know, well, whatever, whatever with them. <laughs> you know, and move on. No, no, no. It is, a, we're, as a body, we must grow in unity of faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. See, it's always about God. It's always about Christ. How do you grow? You grow in more knowledge of him. How do you grow? You grow in understanding more of what God is doing in your life. That's how we become mature. That's how we become mature. As we understand more of what God is doing in our life, uh, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. Now, that's just out there. That's crazy. That's almost crazy talk. Because how do you get the fullness of God? You can't get the fullness of God. But it says, as we have more knowledge of Christ, as we live more in God and in, in God and what God is doing, then we actually attain, we actually can move into a level of fullness here on earth that we can't even imagine. And I think so often we are falling short of the 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 what God is trying to do in our lives because we are not willing to allow God's word to be rich in us. See, God's word is the answer to everything. It is the focus of all that you're dealing. If you're struggling in your marriage, you're struggling in your finances, if you're struggling in your health, if you're struggling, no, no matter what it is, Christ is always the answer. Christ is always the answer. But see, here's my first thought. Let me just share a, a few really quick thoughts 
that will help us understand why God's Word is so important. Because God's Word alone can satisfy deep spiritual hunger. And we try to eat all the junk, don't we? When you're really, really hungry, you go for the cake. <laughs> Big old chocolate chip bunt cake. That's our family cake. That's our birthday cake. We got a birthday cake, chocolate chip bunt cake. It's so good. You just love it. We make it all for all the time. Every now and then I throw in a carrot cake, you know, because I like to mix it up because I like different. But mainly we like chocolate chip bundt cake. Is anybody hungry? But you know what? If you're really, really, really hungry and your stomach's empty, how many know you're going to need something else? And, and whether you do meat or no meat or whatever, you're going to need some, some, some protein, some substance, some things in there that will help you grow strong. Because man cannot live on chocolate chip bundt cake alone, right? And you see, this is what we need to understand. God's word is what satisfies us. It's, it is the only thing that will satisfy you. Are you hurting? Are you struggling? Are you having a hard time in an area? Are you blaming this person? Are you blaming yourself? Are you blaming me, the church? Are, what, what, what are you doing? To find out how is it that God's word can come into your life. Because here's the second uh, thought is that the Word of God can counter, will counter, the Word of God can only counter uh, 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 false heresies. It can only do that. It's the only thing that can. You think, false heresies, false heresies. <laughs> what do I care about false heresies? Uh, okay, that's how you live. That's who you are. Because there's something about God's Word in us, dwelling in us, being rich in us, that all of a sudden when you hear something that's not right, when, you under, when someone says, you should do this, or you do like there's something, thing, hmm, I don't know, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't seem right. What is that? That's God's Word saying, no, 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 <laughs> don't go for that, don't believe in that, don't trust that, be, be grounded in that. Be grounded in God's Word because God's Word is what strengthens us. God's Word is what gives us the knowledge. It's always understanding about Jesus. There's, Jesus tells a, a couple of parables. One is the, the par, uh, the, about the pearl of, of great price. and A man goes out and, and does everything to find it. And the same thing with the treasure. He goes out and buys the land, which I always thought was really strange, uh, you know, because that's like, isn't he cheating somebody? He finds a treasure in someone else's land. And, but he, he tricks them and buys it, and then after he buys it, he gets a treasure. And I think, how, how is that right? How is Jesus telling that story? But you see, you've got to understand, always put the context of Jesus over everything, God's Word in everything, because Jesus is the man. We see us. I'll do anything for the kingdom of God. No, 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 no. That's not what the story's about. The story's about that to buy the pearl, the man will sell everything. He'll give everything. He'll give his very life. To get the pearl. You're the pearl. You're the treasure. Jesus will come down and take the land that is not his and buy it with the blood, his own blood, so that you and I can be with him. We're the treasure. We're the pearl. And the word of God is the truth in us that changes everything. See, the word of God alone can guide us in our daily life. In other words, God's word tells us how to live. It's not just coming, feeling better, feeling not guilty anymore, or repenting of our sins. It is all of that, but it's like, how do I live? How do I go out that door and change my family and change the world around me? How do I actually make a difference and touch people? How can I uh, uh, be and live in that probity that doesn't give up, doesn't quit on what 
uh, other people think I should, I should just give up and I should just quit on. But just keep trusting and keep believing. Everything that God wants to do. You see, the only way that we're going to live an authentic life, the only way that we're going to really trust God is to allow Him, His Word in us and trust it completely. You see, the ultimate, being ultimately authentic is actually living in the fullness of God, which goes back to our key verse. That's the only way that we can really stay strong. And how do we live in this daily life? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, look what it says. It says, and I love this, <laughs> be completely right there. I just want to walk away. Be completely, be completely, be completely. That means in everything you do and everything you think and every way you treat people and every way you respond to people, be humble. If you're trying to think, what am I supposed to do? And how am I supposed to respond? And how is this going to change? I'll tell you, this is what the Bible says. Be humble. Be humble. Be gentle. Be patient. Bearing one another in love. That's the word of God. That's what, that's what God has done in our life. That's how Christ would want us to live. This is how we're supposed to live. This is what keeps us authentic. The only thing that keeps us authentic is to, to say it's not about me. It's about how I can help other people. Being authentic is not about you. You're never meant to be you. Just want to be me. Just want to be free so I could be me. No, no, no. You are not to be you. You're to be Christ. And the only way to be Christ is to have his word in you so that you act more like Christ, that you think more like Jesus in your life. And the more you think like Jesus, the more you act like Jesus, then the more that you're going to be touch people's lives and move and make a difference in people's lives. Look at Romans chapter 15, verse 5. It says that we are to live in the very same attitude and the same mind toward each other that Christ had toward us. Christ willing to give everything to suffer and die, to be raised on the third day so that we could have everything. Do we do that for others? See, that's an authentic life. Authentic life isn't just being you, isn't being real, isn't being, this is who I am. No, 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 no. Authentic life is to be more like Christ. And the more we have God's word in us, the more we can be like him. I love the story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 13. Jesus is preaching, teaching in the synagogue. He's having church. <laughs> and he sees a woman. <laughs> it's Sabbath. And he's teaching, and he sees a woman. I, it doesn't say how long she was there. I, I think the context goes, he, was, he, he saw her for a while. She was all bent over, all bent down. The, 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 the Bible says that she had a spirit that caused her to be like that for 18 years. It doesn't say necessarily that she was demon-possessed, but there was something, there was a wrong spirit about her. And I think it was something like this, that she had the wrong attitude or she was bitter or she was hateful toward people and it just went, bent over and it bent over and it bent over until you find her in this horrible place. So Jesus is teaching. And I don't know if he interrupted his teaching or waited toward the end, but he sees her and he calls her forward. Now here's the first thought. <laughs> she had to be willing to come forward. Even in her sickness, even in her pain, you got to come to Jesus. Jesus is calling right now. Jesus is calling you to change this attitude, to not live like this, to be different. Jesus is calling you right now. Are you willing to come? You say, oh, Greg, I'm all messed up. Yeah, you bent over, <laughs> been that way for 18 years. Let me tell you what the answer is. It's always Jesus. Jesus healed her. 
Now, what this story is really all about, Jesus loves people and heals people, is that the, the religious were indignant. Literally, it says they were indignant. How could you do this? And they grew, uh, uh, <laughs> they grew more and more angry because, you see, it was about them. You know what indignant literally means? It's like wine fermenting. It's getting stronger and stronger and more bitter and more bitter until you can't drink it, and that's when everyone drinks it. Don't ask me. I don't understand. <laughs> but, but there it is. It gets more and more like that. And this is what was happening to these leaders. They were so upset. And Jesus said, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You're not living an authentic life. Because if you had an animal that was stuck in a ditch, you would go pull him out. You would go pull that animal out. You care more about that animal than you do about this woman. He was indignant. They were indignant. They grew angry. You see, we have to be willing to care for people. You know what is fascinating? Is up to this time, as far as all the research that has been out now, and maybe someone will come up and prove this different, but as far as we can tell right now, Jesus is the first one, the first one to use hypocrisy this way. See, hypocrisy was an actor who had a mask. And everyone knew the word because it meant an actor on stage. And it means speaking from underneath the mask. Literally, that's what it means. Hypocrisy means speaking from underneath the mask. And Jesus is saying, you are just like the actor who speaks underneath the mask. It's not really you. You're hiding behind something. Jesus, as far as we know, is the first one. We can't find any other record of someone using it that way. Jesus coined it. <laughs> because it says you've got to live an authentic life. An authentic life is where you actually care about people. And you care about, an inauthentic life is about you. In a, inauthentic life is about being selfish, about, about focusing on what, what can I do instead of really caring about what God's trying to do in your life. There's a story in Mark chapter 12 that's fascinating. There's another time that, that is Jesus talks about hypocrisy, about living an inauthentic life. And what happens is uh, uh, leaders came to him and tried to trick him and said, hey, 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 we're gonna, we want you to uh, tell us, what does this mean? They were actually trying to trick him. He says, uh, uh, who, should we pay taxes or not? <laughs> they got political on him. So Jesus just said, show me a coin. They showed him a coin. And then, and then look what it says. It says they brought him a coin, and he says, whose image is this? Whose inscription is on this coin? And so it, the Scripture says that Jesus was saying they, he saw their hypocrisy. Okay, where was the hypocrisy? It's easy to miss. It's easy to go through that story and just say, well, they're wondering if you pay taxes or not. They're trying to trick him, trying to get him against the Romans and the Jews who didn't want to pay taxes and the Romans who did want to. So, but where was the hypocrisy in all of this? You see, Jesus asked them, literally, give me the coin out of your pocket which they did. Well, on this coin was the image of Caesar, which was something a Jew would never carry. And so these, here are these religious leaders who are supposed to have, if you understand what I'm saying, God in their pocket, but they have the coin in their pocket. They have the world in, in their pocket. And Jesus says, you're a hypocrite because here you are carrying around this image of something else in your life. Whose image is on your life? What do you have in your pocket? I love the story, fellowship, you know, Lord of the Rings. Bilbo was talking with Gollum. 
And he says in this contest, hey, I, what's in my pocket? And Gollum keep asking, what's it got in its pockets? What's it got in its pockets? And I think the Holy Spirit wants to ask us the same thing. What's in your pocket? What are you carrying around? We carry all kinds of things of the world. We carry bitterness. We carry resentment. We carry pride. We carry anger. We carry fear. We carry shame. What's in your pocket? What are you hanging on to? What are you clinging to? Literally is what Jesus was asking. Let me just close with this. In Galatians chapter 2, we have the most profound, authentic failure in the Bible. Well, we're at least one of them. Because here's Peter who knows better. And what happened was that they were up in Antioch, and Peter was up in Antioch, and then the, uh, the Jews from Jerusalem would come up. The Christian Jews would come up, and when he got there, Peter would stop hanging around the Gentile Christians and would only hang around the Jewish Christians. I mean, yeah, because they don't mix. And Paul had it. Paul said, Peter, here's Peter, who is afraid of nothing, who stands up and, uh, and when the Holy Spirit was poured out and preaches and witnesses and everything. Here's Peter, and he has been totally intimidated. He is living a hypocritical life. And Paul called him on it and said, you cannot live this way. You cannot act like you're this way. You cannot be so inauthentic. Because, you see, this is what you need to understand. Your inauthentic life, your, your life that is where you try to live one thing, but you know inside you don't really have Christ as the center of everything. When you live that life, it spreads. Look what it says in just this last verse in chapter, 13, uh, chapter 2, verse 13. It says, the other Jews joined him, Peter, in his hypocrisy. So that their hypocrisy even spread to Barnabas, who was led astray. Barnabas, who his name means encourager. Kind, in all of it, you would see Barnabas is the most kind-hearted, loving, caring, and in almost the perfect example of Christ in the New Testament. And here he is, he's even carried away because his hypocrisy spreads. The inauthentic life spreads. And the only way to keep it, the only way to keep it pure is to keep God in your life. To keep the Word of God in the center of your life. Because that changes everything. Greg, I'm not that perfect. Great. It's not about integrity. It's about probity. It's about getting back up and saying, I'm going to keep going. You hit three times. You feel like you want to stay down. Feel like they're out to get you. Feel like they're just trying to uh, kick you out. Get back up. Keep trusting. Keep putting Christ in your heart and watch and see what God will do. You received the word this morning. Come on, give God thanks. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we need you so much. We need your life. We need your hope. We need everything that you are inside of us. God, pour into us. Help us understand the truth of your word, to live in your word, to, to live in who you are in Christ, to live that authentic life that changes and touches the world around us, to not be pulled into selfishness, but God challenges, touch us to trust you more. God, if we're hiding things in our pockets, if we're hiding things that keep us in a state of inauthentic life, God, I pray we just surrender those to you. If it's fear, we take it out. We lay it on the table. 
if it's shame, it's, if it's doubt, if it's worry, if it's pride, if it's selfishness, we lay it all down. Because God, we want to touch the world around us. And that's only going to happen with you in us, Christ in us. God, pour into us. God, I pray right now for anyone, for everyone that's in this room, that's watching online, that's watching us now, that'll watch us for the next several months and watch this video. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your power would touch them. They would feel your conviction. And God, they would turn their heart towards you. If they're not serving you, if they're, if they're just going through the motions, if they're going through this faith deconstruction, God, there needs to be you in the center of all things. So, God, I pray for them right now. Hear their repentance. Hear their cry. Forgive us of our sins. Wash away our sins. Move it all out of our life and let us stand whole and clean before you. God, we trust you for that. And I'm trusting you for every single person that prayed that. I pray that you'd move in their lives in the most profound way. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.